Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another episode of Horror Express. And tonight we're talking about Gremlins, the 1984 film, which everybody knows. I think that I don't need to give a synopsis or anything like that because it's just, <laughs> it's Gremlins, right? So, um, so yeah, so we picked Gremlins because we wanted something. I know this is sometimes more of a Christmas movie, but we wanted something that was fitting for Halloween. And when we mentioned Gremlins last episode, everybody got excited. So it just seemed like a good movie to do. Um, so, yeah, so I guess getting into it uh, and what we were discussing a little bit beforehand, maybe we should talk about our own experiences with it. I think me and Adam are probably going to have fairly similar memories. And Joel, you're probably going to have the, you know, uh, roughly 10 year later memories. That <laughs> so you, I'm you, the baby of the group. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so, I don't, so why don't we start with you, you, Joel? What was your first exposure to Gremlins? And, you know, what do you think about the movie? I, this is one of those ones I kind of saw. I had to have been like six. Like I couldn't have been very old when I saw this movie. Um, and I saw it around the same time I was seeing stuff like, like Short Circuit. You remember that? Um, oh yeah, I remember Short Circuit. Like yeah. I was, I was seeing like ET for the first time and Short Circuit and stuff like that. And then this movie, like in this, there was this great wave of movies that were very puppet heavy that were kid oriented. I think they all kind of came out in the wake of stuff like E.T. Um, and this is this kind of got rolled up in that general, like, I, I was just about the same time I first saw uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, all the kind of childhood classics that, like, that I sort of took in around that tender age and shaped my forming psyche. This is one of them. Um, and I remember it, I, I don't remember it being particularly horrifying or anything to me. I think I always thought it was just kind of entertaining. Um, mm -hmm. Even as a six-year-old kid, I wasn't scared by this movie, and I think that speaks to like because the I was rewatching it like for this podcast with my girlfriend, and neither of us had seen it in a while, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually pretty appreciably brutal." Like, there's a there's a scene <laughs> where the mom first encounters the gremlins, and she goes full on first blood on these things and kills like yeah. five of them in extremely <laughs> gory, like throw the hamster in the microwave kind of ways. It actually, kind of made me think like. Maybe this screenwriter had a thing about like, you know, like having this long frustration about wanting to destroy their childhood animals or like some kind of weird sociopath impulse that they successfully repressed, but it came out in the script. Like it's it's really specific. It's and it's like everything you do if you were like a budding sociopath kid with a hamster or everything well, you like want to do. It's, I'm going to cut in for one second. Too. Yeah, this yeah. is written by Chris Columbus, who did Home Alone, so the Home Alone movies. He, he, he wrote he wrote those, so we know he's into people going through really He's horrible. into booby traps and stuff like yeah, that. Just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know Chris that I would Columbus. have to take the sociopath angle with it, but but definitely that. I, I, it's pretty clear to me. Yeah. It's pretty clear yeah. to me. I, 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 think that, uh, I think that they were just sort of giving us creative and funny uh, deaths <laughs> for the... The, the maniacal little goblins that were well, uh, i have to say too what? if we need a theme for this month the, the the running theme between this and nightmare on elm street is the mother is the most brutal killer in the movie yeah. that's the, that's the theme. the mom in this is maybe the most badass mom in oh, any yeah. movie like the one the one in nightmare on elm street definitely because of that one thing she did but then we see her suffering PTSD and like all this stuff after. But this mom just like she's like yeah, Rambo. She's like Rambo. Like one after the other, she just you know nails each of those gremlins, <laughs> and she doesn't it... think twice. And also, <laughs> I know that we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But the thing about that mom that's so great is that's 
like the most believable badass mom I've ever seen in that. Yeah. I think anybody totally could see their own mom in the right circumstances doing those things simply because she has to. Do you know what I mean? Get out of um, my kitchen, you goblins. This is going to be your personal Vietnam. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, just something with moms. They just, something kicks in and they just like, they don't care if they're getting dirty. They don't care if, like, you know, if it's a goblin, they don't care if it's brutal. They will just do it to get the job yeah. done. Well, it's it's a great scene too because the classic cliche thing would be he calls her to warn her the phone gets cut off and then she gets killed or something yeah. and it's like oh it's the big but no that's not what happens at all <laughs> and and apparently that was supposed to be like she was supposed to die in the original script oh really uh, yeah uh, but they changed it they there were a lot of things they changed it's one this is one of these weird movies and I, I do want to get to me and Adam's exposure to this film too because it is important but. <laughs> This is one of those weird movies where I think the balance of Columbus, Dante, and Spielberg is really important for how it all ends yeah. up panning out. Because there were there were a lot of things, like, for example, one of the things that the script was supposed to do at first was uh, Gizmo was was the only gremlin. It was supposed to be Gizmo, and then he becomes Stripe, and he becomes oh. the, the evil uh, gremlin yeah. in the movie. And Spielberg was like, no... People are going to want Gizmo. He's cute. He's going to be the hero of the movie. So that's what we're going to do. And, you know, there were other and there were other things like Joe Dante wanted that speech that um, Phoebe Cates gives about her dad and Santa Claus midway through the film. And Spielberg was against it. But Dante pushed hard <laughs> enough because he was like, no, this is like what the movie is about. This encapsulates that the movie. And yeah, so, that speech. I mean, you you would hear kids in school telling that as like an urban legend, yeah. like for for from that point on after that movie came oh, out. Yeah. That so, thing had amazing urban legend potential. It was yeah. profoundly, and we need to dedicate a whole solid ten minute chunk <laughs> just to that discussion. <laughs> that story. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this movie as far as like there's a lot to appreciate, you know. But my mm -hmm. experience with it as a six year old, going back to it. Not scary. Just to add, had a great time with it. I've always yeah. kind of yeah. had a little soft spot in my life for this movie. It's, yeah, so it's, it's wonderfully entertaining. So I I yeah. saw it in the theater when it came out, um, and I saw I I was born in '76, so whatever age I was in 1984, I don't know. Do the it's math. Eight. eight was it? Eight? Yeah, eight or seven or nine? One of the I don't know. Um, probably eight. But uh, one year of eight, I promise you. Yeah. No, that's why I said seven. Or nine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was twelve. So you were twelve. So I I saw it with my sister. She ran screaming out of the theater. I loved it. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. I mean, but what it, was the trigger you know. scene for her? Oh man, I got. I don't know. even remember. I don't remember. I just remember she went. She got up and she her hands were in the air and she was just screaming down the aisle. And my mom had to go chase her. And Usher <laughs> said, "There goes another one." And so, you know, that was just that there were a lot of like the kids that were under a certain age were the ones that got freaked out. Um, but kids that were like my age and older, I, I, my impression was that we all tolerated it fairly well. But this was one of the most exhilarating movies to see on screen. Like, I don't think there's many films that I've seen in my life that had the just the spectacle and the effect of this movie, just between mm -hmm. the music and the gremlins and just how bizarre it was. Like, it, it's bizarre, but it's wholesome. It's got it. it it's it's it, you don't really see movies like this anymore. Like I, I can't imagine a film like this being made. Um, yeah, watching this, I haven't watched this probably since the '80s. So I mean, it's a movie I remember really well. But watching it again, one thing that struck me is just how full 
of iconic archetypes like Hollywood and cartoon yeah. archetypes. He packs it and it just it feel it does feel like an 80s Spielberg produced movie, definitely of its time, but it also has this whole universal aspect to it yes. that really makes it a classic. It's, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing that struck me was how much I was laughing this time. I mean, I always knew it was uh -huh. a funny movie. It's a it's a horror comedy, but I was laughing a lot and out loud. And it's been I don't know maybe ten years since I saw it last. Maybe more recently, but I think about ten years. And I you know I I, I don't remember laughing that hard at it. I don't know if it's just that I'm you know de deprived of that much humor in my life these days, <laughs> or if uh, if I was appreciating jokes that went over my head when I was you know. Uh, younger, but uh, I, yeah. I think I think I just forgot what a funny movie it was and how like how often there's a joke like and how quickly the joke is like followed by something horrible. Um, yeah, but it doesn't feel like like I guess the other movie to compare it to would be American Werewolf in London. It's not that style. Yeah, well, that, that's horror. a way different style of that, comedy horror. Yeah, this thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd already seen that before I saw Gremlins, and that yeah. that American Werewolf freaked me out a hell of a lot more than Gremlins. That's for sure. Uh, well, that one gets under your skin. Uh, I, I really, and you can you can look at the transformation sequences uh, and like almost compare them and say like this is the distinction in the tone of those movies. Like because the the Gremlins one, as horrific as it is, with the with the things popping out of Gizmo's back and everything, like doing mm -hmm. weird pods and turning into Gremlins. It just it lands completely differently than the transformation scene in Werewolf, in, in Werewolf, which is like grotesque and disturbing. Yeah. These are kind of cartoonish, well, something you see in a Bugs Bunny joint, you know? This is yeah. Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, it's it's like a comic book, definitely. It feels like a horror comic, and it's you know like a classic one. My my note to describe it was it's like taking it's a wonderful life and lighting it on fire like it's just it's <laughs> yeah. like kind of a it, <laughs> yeah it, it's just well, so chaotic and and mean and funny and I don't know it, 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 like it, it's a it's a well, weird it's a weird movie because it's because I said it's grounded in that wholesome Spielberg style but well like something everything, oh go ahead. So yeah, something Dante does that like, you know, like so few directors do, like the Coen brothers do it in a slightly different way. It's just make every character as colorful and like yeah. over the top in a classic Hollywood style as possible. And it, it just because I forgot how much of a buildup there is. It's like it's a long time into the movie before you have the whole transformation sequence. But yeah, it's, a, it's just kind of fun just seeing just the, just the color of that town and everything. The, the the scene in the pool where the where the gremlins actually multiply and you have the real big yeah. part of the film. That's like forty five minutes in, and so yeah. I mean it's it's it, it is uh, yeah. So I guess the 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 most iconic character I think. Oh, I like Mister Futterman, but I think Mrs. Deagle <laughs> really takes. She's so terrible. And she's oh, got yeah. like this wicked witch of the West, like yeah, combined with like Mister yeah. Potter, like the two of them merged into one yeah. character. Yeah, because she even is like, I want to get your, like, it's like your little dog too. I'm There's this whole thing. Like, yeah. I know. And then when she dies, her feet are sticking up. Like, uh huh. She's she's just like Scrooge, but worse. You know, she's like she's like mean to the hungry family. She wants to, you know, she wants to ruin his dog. She like everybody in town owes her money. Well, the worst and, thing, she cuts in line at the bank. I mean, yeah, that is that is unforgivable. No forgivable. And and I just love how like the 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 manager of the bank is just like you know kowtowing to her and just so like you know she's this powerful figure 
And then when you see her residence, it's not even like this opulent mansion. I mean, it's it's a nice, nice house, and she has like a an elaborate rig to get up her stairs. But it looks sure, like a fairly normal house on the block that it's on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, um, I mean, seeing her house made her seem like such a vulnerable and lonesome old lady. I felt so sad yeah. for her when the gremlins murdered her. That's what I like about that character. Is then when they show her with her cat, she's so nice to the cats. She's uh -huh. so nice. To, it, it, and obviously, we've all met the mean person who's nice to animals or whatever. But it was just interesting. Like when you, when you, because she, because when she's out in town, she has the hat and the wig. And then at home, she doesn't have the wig. And she does look vulnerable. She looks. It's an interesting transformation for the character, even though it's like Adam says, she's like a, just this stereotypical archetype of a you know of a wicked woman. But but I don't know between just the stripping down of the character and the placement of her with the cats and the um, and and I don't know the the way that the that the actress performs during mm -hmm. you know in both of those. She basically has two scenes, if I recall. Uh, it's a it's an enormously memorable character and it's effective it's, it doesn't and it and and i think kind of like adam's saying it does, it's not trying to layer on all this like you know subtle stuff it's just there's it's, yeah i think too on sound when she shows up at the bank the second time there's like this sound effect for her showing up and i don't know it's like the most cartoonish weird sound effect and i could i played it back a few yeah. times i was like it's, it's like she she flying in like what's what's happening yeah here? no and and the music too. There's like the, I think there's a tuba playing when she's a pro, like a yeah it's a, yeah, it's a yeah very boom bump. But it's it's a it, it, it's it's almost like a theater production the way it sounds, you know. But it works. Yeah. It works. It, it, again, this is one of these things where I think uh, whenever we've talked about Spielberg movies, I've probably been the one to complain a little bit about the Spielberg elements in a film. Mm -hmm. But this is one where it creates a perversity of there's all yeah, this. No. Like I say, those three, those three people, all, all their, all their skills just perfectly combined. Like Chris yeah. Columbus can be really dodgy too in his work, but this, this movie totally yeah. comes together. Now, one thing I noticed that I never noticed before. Well, number one, I love the dad inventor because my dad was, a <laughs> and so just something about that character reminds me of my dad. But yeah, I, I. I, I and it's just how optimistic he is, and, and yeah, also how he, that's what he, I like. It's not—it's not like he is like humiliated by his constant defeat. Just like moves on to that. Like it's like the coffee the joke, joke with his wife with the coffee. Yeah, I think this is fine. Yeah, just as a joke. At the end of the movie, he doesn't even really learn a lesson. He's responsible oh. for the death of tens of people at the least, and he—he he, he doesn't really seem to carry any any guilt or you know he's. Nope. Just, he's He's just a very optimistic character, but there's a scene where he's, um, I think, I think he's trying to show somebody the toothpaste in the. He's showing the guy in the China shop in the in Chinatown, the uh, the the toothpaste, and he yeah. green goo gets all over his shirt, and you realize, oh, that's like foreshadowing what's what's going to happen at the end of the movie when Stripe is just a puddle of green goo, <laughs> and I I had never noticed that before. Um, well, it also I, pretty clearly communicates to the audience that. The, the really strict thing that you that is incredibly dangerous if you don't walk the straight and narrow, this is the last guy on earth you should give that to because he's just <laughs> yeah. absent-minded yeah. and clumsy and makes a lot of mistakes. And yeah, and he's yeah. just not, he, he just, he doesn't see the downside of anything. So like as soon as he sees Gizmo, <laughs> even though he knows all these rules that are supposed to be super important, he immediately wants to make the Peltzer pet and market them. And, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, <laughs> 
That was like, you can see the light bulb go off in his eyes. He's like, oh, my God, this is going to be how I make it big. Like, yeah. I feel such a kinship with that dude now that I'm an old man. Just <laughs> failed at all of his like, creative endeavors. Yeah. I like the idea that he thinks selling a pet that's infinitely reproducible is going to be like a successful business model, too. It's like, how many? <laughs> yeah, you'll like, sell the first wave, man. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the, um, uh, what was it that the the other thing that I the, that I liked about it was um, was the music. Like, I mean, obviously, there's like the, yeah. the, 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 the playful themes you're talking about. But but I really paid attention this time because I always loved that Gremlins theme, like the real Gremlins theme. Mm -hmm. uh, it was one of these things where like whenever I had a keyboard, I would always try to figure it out. And I would like <laughs> think like I, I never know if I really got it or not, but I'd find the chords and think that I had cracked the Gremlins theme and I was excited <laughs> about it. And. I just, I just think it's, I just think it's one of the most memorable pieces of music in a movie, and I love how it, like, just you just get little notes of it peppered through the film, and then you get like a, an almost playful version of it before it really comes forth again in the scene when the Futtermans are mauled by the tractor, um, you know, and and that's just for me, that's when the movie really starts. That's like it, yeah, waiting the whole movie to hear that Gremlins theme and see the Gremlins just run rampant across the town um so oh, man you know, the, the chaos scenes of the gremlins are so indulgent too <laughs> there's just these huge sets filled with these little monsters they're all mm -hmm. doing something they've got they got the the actors with the puppets there. it's fantastic oh it, it, i mean that that's i mean it's it's just like scene after scene of like they're killing santa they're they're eating a guy's hand in the mailbox they're playing with traffic lights they're killing mrs deagle they're they're singing hi ho. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're in the movie theater. They're watching the Yeah. They're tormenting Phoebe Cates at the bar. Um, they're shooting each other and trying to shoot people. Um, they're just they're just chaos. They're just like the embodiment of chaos. They're just malicious, but they're 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 so unreflective about what they're doing that there's like an innocence about their mischief that's mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It just it just it, it it makes them charming, even though you know they're just they're they're murderous and destructive. Um, well, and they're they're nasty little creatures, but they're also small. And there's something yeah. about them being monstrous but kind of pathetic that makes them endearing. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just I, something about for me, it just they just they seem like they don't understand any other way of doing things than what they're doing. That's just what they're pro And it's weird because they ha seem to have cultural knowledge, like they know how to speak a little bit, they know how to read. They, they they seem to understand human culture enough that they're well, they're basically to... yeah they're basically magical creatures really they're more yeah. on the line of like fey creatures or something than like you yeah. know some kind of weird biological monster they just don't operate under scientific rules at all yeah yeah so well, I mean the, the second movie like pokes a lot of fun at that but yeah I mean well, that's true I'm magic. getting yeah yeah <laughs> I'm leaving the, the sequel out of that's a whole other thing well because yeah, like if, if you if you exclude the second movie from this discussion then I would say like the Futtermans I think are supposed to die in this movie but then in the sequel they kind of bring the Futtermans back yeah that, that's a weird moment like that's a way weird moment because it's like I saw them vanish underneath a tractor I, I'm pretty sure they're dead movie I I I really like the Murray Futterman character, so I I, I feel like it was a good give it. back. Yeah, well, he yeah, looks no, like my I, grandfather. That guy, D uh, Dick Miller, looks exactly like my grandfather. And kind of looks like everybody's grandfather. Does he? Maybe uh, that's but... it. Maybe that's why he's in movies like this. But uh, <laughs> that's all I can think of when I see him. But then I also 
I just love the kid. He's, like, he's just so he's a complicated guy. Like he, we know yeah. he doesn't like foreign stuff. Like he's all against foreign cars and all this. But then we also see him drinking at the bar. So there's like there's something else going on there, just in terms of like how drunk he gets and all that. But then the scene when he's at home with his wife and like she's so like ridiculously optimistic and friendly and happy. And it's driving him crazy, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is just a really well drawn character for the amount of screen time he has. It's uh, yeah, I mean, it's just those all those little touches that make this movie so good. And it's and like every character is like a piece in a jigsaw because he is very important for conveying important pieces of plot information, like so that the the viewers know what gremlins are supposed to be. He gives the yeah. whole story of what the gremlins are, but he also kind of ties Billy to the rest of the town somehow because he's got a relationship with Billy, and he helps connect Billy to the the bar that she's at. It just I don't know. It's it's a uh, he's 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 he seems to serve a lot of function in the movie too. Um, but I don't. Know, I guess uh, we should probably talk about. Uh, oh, I'm getting some sound from somebody. I'm getting like a really loud electric buzz. I'm getting feed. Somebody's getting feedback. Feedback. Hang on here. I'm, I'm going on mute, and it's it's still pretty consistent. Yeah, it was at. Yeah, Adam, it's you. Weird electronic buzz going on. I don't know. What now we don't have Adam. Uh, it's unfortunate. Well, we'll continue talking until Adam sorts it out. I suppose. Um, <laughs> but you got this, Adam. We believe in you. Keep endeavoring. It might be the positioning of your mic at it because it sounded like feedback. Um, oh, there we go. Look at that. Look at that beautiful mic coming down. Anyway. Um, so, well, why don't we talk about Phoebe Cates? Because her character is very. Is better? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a lot better. That. That's like a thousand times better. Um, I'll Let's try. See. I'm going to try to remove all of the extraneous sound um, in when I, when I put post. it up on. Yeah, but you know, I'm not. I'm not inside the best. baseball, folks. I'm, well, I'm not the best at that stuff. I just know how to do the automated noise reduction thing. So we'll see how it goes. Everybody um, does. But uh, anyway. But yeah, so Phoebe, her character is so dour. Like, uh, the, again, we got to get to that story about. I, I forgot uh, about the scene where where we kind of get the foreshadowing of of, of yeah. the talk that she gives that little scene. And she's just like, Christmas sucks. And, his, and her budding boyfriend <laughs> yeah. is like, are you certain about that sentiment? And she's like, well, if you say Columbus Day sucks, no one gets on you. And it's like, yeah, of course they don't. What You know this is a weird sentiment, lady. Well, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's funny and odd because, like you said, they're, they're not yet dating. They're just, like they're, they're like, they're literally about to agree to go on their first date, even though they both, both clearly like each other. Sends but, that red flag right up the map. But, yeah, it's, that's the thing. Like, right, like, I, I, I read it as a red flag. Adam, um, go? I think Adam left. He's probably going to come back. Uh, can you hear yeah. us, Adam? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Right, yeah, we can hear you. relationship with Adam. Um, we'll go back to the fold, brother. But she was, she's so, Thank you. It, it, in that scene, there's so, it, 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 that was my first thought, was like, wow, like, if I were him, that's like Red Flag City. Um, <laughs> oh, well, thanks, but, see you later. Oh, you talk about, it, are, you, are we on that scene now? Yeah, that's the scene where she's talking about how she doesn't like Christmas and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I figured that had to be the one. Yeah, that but, is, that is a bit of a red flag, but. But she's, but again, she's very charming despite all that. She's charming and wholesome, but she still has like this real massive chip on her shoulder as a character. And then you get that story 
about her dad that's so horrifying, but also a funny story. Like it's, 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 it, and again, I understand why Dante said it encapsulated the movie because it's, it's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is something goofy about it, but both the comedy and horror elements kind of feed up each other in this Ouroboros that is both wholly unnatural and wholly unique to this kind of film. Well, and what's interesting to me about it is even at the time when it came out, like I knew, we all knew it was weird. You know, that was why it was so interesting to us. Like, wait a second, did she just say what we thought she said? Her dad was going down the chimney? And like your first thought is, wait, can a person even fit down the chimney? Is that even possible? And you just, like, you're just running all of these things through your head as she's telling the story. And just the, like the, you know, he broke his neck and died instantly. It's, it's a horrifying <laughs> story, but it's also oddly amusing because of the movie and because of, do you know what I mean? It's just a real, uh, and, 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 it, and it's like, you don't quite know what you're supposed to think of it. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, it, it's just a really, I, I don't think it would be in a film today. I don't, I don't think. It wouldn't. No. Well, it, yeah. it wouldn't because it defies easy categorization. Yeah. And I think that filmmakers are exceptionally averse to that lately. I think people want yeah. everything to be in its nice little film school box. Um, well, that's, I mean, even wanna... even then, though, because, I mean, the, the notable thing about this movie is it created PG-13. Because yeah. it, and, I, and I think it's because it is playing so far mm. between appealing to kids and being yeah. horrifying to kids at the same time yeah, if... that, that, that it... It just crossed a line and 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 did a lot of damage to horror inadvertently through the creation of PG thirteen. Well, and I think that's the interesting thing because if this were an R rated movie, that story it wouldn't have had the impact it had. But because it's like this wholesome style movie that's yeah. set in like a, a you know a you know a small town that's like you know way way too. I don't know, like, like way too out of a movie. Do you know what I mean? Just like, like, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't like, feel like an 80. It does, it's not set in the eighties. It's set in yeah. fictional Hollywood land. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, like everybody likes each other. And you know, like, and, and when they don't, it's all at a level of like, well, he's the town drunk and we just kind of do this with them. You know, like everybody mm-hmm. kind of has a function. It's like a village almost. And it, uh, but, village. but the, the, the fact that, that that story exists in that universe is what makes it so uh, odd and so and, and and disturbing because you're kind of like I don't know how to feel about this like I like one part of me is like this is funny but one part of me is this is sad and you know it, it's well, okay, and the here's, whole... here's my question how did no one else in the town know about it was she like an import that like... okay that how, how did he not know about it how did Billy who clearly knows her and they must have gone to school together in this small town, right? right. Like, that I had the exact same thought. I was like, "Well, did they? Maybe she moved to the town. I mean, it could yeah, have. Maybe they moved after her father died yeah, to another yeah. town. But yeah, that was. Uh, but on the whole, I had the. I, I was like, "Yeah, but that, that, but that also like would be a lot big news." That seems like something that even if that were the case, like everybody would know about. It. Like, oh, she's the girl whose dad. That like, that, that's not a story that escapes attention. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, they, but well, was, here you go. She she is crazy. That's that's what you you've uncovered the truth of the movie that never did happen. That's just something that. She, or what she I, I like too how in the second movie she starts doing that again and they just kind of shut her down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, you oh, yeah. sort of can't talk about this movie that's talking about the sequel at least a little bit because just of how much yeah. is the sequel takes out of this one and it's yeah. still a great movie. I love the sequel. It's really sequel, entertaining. It's a different kind of great. It's it's definitely like, yes. like I, I like the sequel too. Uh, this I think is like a special movie. This, this exists in a on a level that the sequel doesn't exist on, but the sequel has its own 
specialness. Well, um, the sequel is such a, a conspicuously like '80s movie. You know, it really is like digging into '80s culture a yeah, lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And this one isn't like you said; it's it's timeless. It's like a fairy tale. There's there's something about this movie where people are going to be watching it 60 years from now, and it's going to have that same exact ring to it. And I just don't think the sequels <laughs> are going to get that. Yeah. And and also the sequel like is like it's almost like the director's trolling everybody with that movie too there's like a, oh yeah no the, the, the sequel is like 100 yeah. percent mocking the I, first one i think i think the thing the reason why people respect the sequel now they when it first came out i remember it being like vaguely disappointing to a lot of people and not really yep. landing that well but i think it gets respect because people realize he just kind of did what he wanted to do and you know there was there's like integrity in 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 how he approached that sequel um, yeah, no, it, it's really, a, I think of the two, it's probably my favorite. I think I, I enjoy it a lot more, honestly. But I I have this, under like, there's this artistic merit to this movie that the second one doesn't have, integrity notwithstanding. It just does something mystical, you know, mm-hmm. and I, it's hard to approach something like that. Like you said, I think the comparison to It's a Wonderful Life is actually pretty apt, weirdly enough. Yeah. Like this well, they've been playing that. It's a Wonderful Life, aren't they, early in the movie? They play, like, yeah. three movies they, over the Oh, they do this clever thing where they play Christmas movies at first, and they play horror movies as the movie shifts. <laughs> yeah. uh, they do the invasion of the pod people and all that. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. It's great. I, I like, too, it, it just did... One thing it did harken back to is just the fact that you did see a lot of old movies on TV, like, in the yeah. 80s and 70s and stuff that you really... Unless you go to, like, you know you know, Turner classic movies or stuff. You just don't see stuff like that yeah. on TV anymore. And well, well, it's like when we talked about Creatures from the Black Lagoon, I had mentioned I'd saw it as a kid. I, I'm sure I saw it on TV on some channel yep. with it, you know, yep. and they were just constant. They would play movies like that all the time. I remember them playing King Kong and you know, uh, all of these classic movies. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I, mean, I imagine they still do that to an extent, but I feel like you saw a lot you have to look like for them now yeah. you know you're not yeah. just going to come across them <laughs> it's not well, odd having a black and white movie on in the background in the movie at that time that was just sort yeah of very common. yeah like i would watch i love lucy when i was a kid and that was you know and now yeah. it's very old but it was you know uh but it was a black and white tv show but i still watched it because it was on during the daytime um so yeah i i think uh oh the other thing i want to talk about is rock and ricky um i love that guy rock and ricky yeah, is like my favorite uh, like if you if you exclude mrs deagle and the butterman and and uh and phoebe kate's character uh rock and ricky is i don't know there's just something about that character he he ties the movie together in a really weird way uh-huh. <laughs> i i think one thing i like too that is exactly of the 80s at that time was the billboard with like the indiana yeah, Jones yeah. lettering because yeah. like every used car salesman was doing like a slightly off-brand indiana jones yeah. theme and putting a hat on like come down for you know raid rating prices i my pun isn't working and you know but basically that was like every used car ad then so that just that really cracked me up seeing it this time well and it's just so funny like to see like he's like at first he's 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 talking about like people calling in about the gremlins and he's getting sick of them and he's like look yeah. kids i'm tired of all these jokes and then like people start breaking in and it, or the gremlins start breaking in and he, 
And he's like, wait, what's going on? You're not rocking Ricky fans. And he just <laughs> something about that line. There's like that's that's his thought when they when when these gremlins burst through and start attacking him. But then that they come back to it and like the next day he's like, Oh, it's been a rough night for Rock and Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> like he just never like, escapes his own vanity. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I like I like that I like too that it's been planned. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hit him with fire hoses. It was just like no. Yeah, that's the absolute <laughs> wrong thing to do. <laughs> but he, he's just a great little sub thing going on in the movie. Um, There's a lot and, of little currents like that whose aggregate effect is the stream of this movie. Yeah, it does, yeah. It does have a lot of little elements like that. Like even the stuff with the father going to the, he's going to some kind of expo for yeah. inventors. Yeah, they got like <laughs> the like time machine in the background. <laughs> There's just it's 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 ridiculous. It, there's the, there's a there's like a robot that's like the robot from um a lost, lost space, space yeah, yeah. but he's like a fully functioning AI I think because he's talking to somebody on the phone even though he's like this analog robot. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, he got the, the time machine in the background yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I, and he's just got his toothpaste. He's got like his his bathroom buddy, right? That's the thing that the combination is a little more advanced than I thought, but it's a really great invention. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh yeah i like his interaction with the store owner at the end of the movie when he comes to get uh get gizmo too that's great i just i love how graciously after graciously he accepts the gift of the ashtray it was just yeah. that is, <laughs> i was just like like this, this gives that character such a touch of class after it's like yes oh yes it's a wonderful gift yeah that was that was pretty funny <laughs> i also like when he first sold it he sold it to that guy in the gas station and he's got like yeah. a toothpick in one side of his mouth and a cigarette in the other so he's got like he's just like a massive oral fixation this character <laughs> and he looks he looks haggard like the guy looks like uh -huh. he's about to have a heart attack or a pulmonary <laughs> embolism or something um, yeah, but yeah, the the um, oh, the other thing that I thought was interesting that I noticed this time, and I've always noticed this scene, but it never really clicked was um, when Mrs. Deagle sees the gremlins caroling outside and she's about to throw water on them and she says they've come for me. They're here. I'm not ready. I, I yeah. had this thought of like, wait, does she it's it's either she's mistaking them for demons, which totally makes sense because she's an you know, evil, greedy character. And maybe she's worried that she's going to go to hell. But then yeah. I thought, wait, maybe she like knows about gremlins. Like maybe she's part of this like rich oh. elite class of people that are it just happens to know. Like <laughs> well, she's no, friends because... with that Chinese store. Owner. No, not friends with the Chinese guy, but maybe because this is like a small little town. Right. But she's like this really rich person who maybe has like worldly connections and stuff so maybe if you're more worldly and a you know you know you're a jet setting type person you've just heard about gremlins because you've been to you know like china or wherever it is well, that the, the model line from. they've come for me like did she personally offend the gremlins i don't know i just i just thought those are the two options i can think of either she knows what the gremlins are which I, is a zany they, they do they do go finish theory. her off pretty quickly yeah, yeah they kill her, they her by like, name hey. that's like yeah. the only confirmed uh, kill like that's weird yeah, I yeah. think there's like three confirmed kills. There's the science teacher. There's Mrs. Oh Eagle. yeah, no, he dies too. Um, so basically, they've I'm, got a lower kill count than the mom. Yeah, as I said, yeah. she's the real monster. Yeah, I'm going to assume Santa died in the, <laughs> but I don't know. Hey, uh, yeah, that's not a confirmed scene. kill. That's yeah, that's, it's not confirmed. That's that's a maybe. So, so the scene with the science teacher. Apparently, I was looking at the trivia on the side. Apparently, 
he was supposed to be loaded with needles in the face. That was how he was going to die. <laughs> oh, wow. And, that's way too grotesque. Yeah, and, and Spielberg was like, no, just one needle in the butt. But I will say this. I've always kind of found that the one needle in the butt is very confusing because you're like, wait a second. He died from a needle in the Like, was there poison in that needle? Or, I think that's the like implication. If, but but it's weird. It, it just like I because it's a science lab. It's not. You know what I mean? I, it, it, I almost I almost wondered if you like if the gremlin kills. Yeah. It... My, my 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 feeling watching it this time was almost like he killed the guy. Then he saw a needle, and then was just like, yeah, okay, there you okay. go. I, I was just <laughs> never fully convinced because of that one needle and no other explanation. I was never fully yeah. convinced that the science teacher was dead. Yeah, yeah, it was a. Uh, uh, I always had a lot of hypodermic needles full of acid to kill somebody, though. That's true. I mean, I guess if they put acid in there, I I don't know what was in the needle, but uh, there could have been just air in it. I mean, like it's not like it's hard to use hypodermic needles to kill somebody. No, I I just don't know that a gremlin. I guess gremlins have this knowledge of things in the world. So yeah, well, they have a knack for mischief. I mean, so, they can they can operate a movie projector, right? So it's it it stands like, to reason that they. Could. Well, even even if you knew nothing about hypodermic needles, like if you just grabbed one that happened to be empty, jammed it into someone, and pulled the plunger down, you happen to strike a vein, they die. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's yeah, it's not that hard to kill somebody with a hypodermic needle, unfortunately. But either Sorry. way, I I I kind of I mean I I get why they didn't do the massive array of needles in the face but i i nope, kind of that, part that of it wishes they did haunting man i feel i'm glad they didn't do that um i and that definitely would have pushed it into r like there would have been no, it would yeah. have been r if, if they had done that so i get that they were i guess maybe what spielberg was trying to do was trying to make a pg horror movie and obviously <laughs> obviously Dante was, was trying to push it over the line yeah, yeah. a little bit more but so yeah that, yeah get they, away with era well, it just, I don't know. It just, I, I guess, i you know what it was too? It wasn't just, I think it was part of how they marketed it because I was talking to my mom about this movie uh, a while back and she had said to me that the reason that parents got upset was because in the commercials, they just showed Gizmo and then they said like, but don't feed him after midnight. And he just goes like, uh-oh. And yeah, yeah, like in the Howie Mandel voice. And, and so she said, I think a lot of parents just assumed it was a cutesy movie. Um, and so that's, you know, and so when they brought their kids and there's gremlins, you know, killing Santa and flipping over cars and, you know, sticking <laughs> hypodermic needles into people's asses, they were, they were a little bit perturbed. Um, well, and like launching people out of the, the wheelchair staircase and like yeah. devouring Santa and like a lot of the imagery in this movie is pretty grotesque. Like they're not super gory on the kills of people, but man, they execute those gremlins. Well, like, and I think slime and guts and skeletons all over the place. And I think because it's just unapologetically funny about it, that also was maybe part of what got people a little bit irritated, too. Because Mrs. Deagle's death is just, that's just a joke. That's not even, you know, it's it's just meant as humor, you know? And it's meant, yeah. and it's all kind it's of cool. like, a lot of it is comeuppance, too. Like, a lot of people are just kind of getting, you know, their comeups and, comeuppance in the movie, it seems. Um, you know, like the cops... Their car flips over, and I think it's because you know they don't believe Billy, and they're making fun of him. Okay, that's another thing that was on. Billy shows the cops Gizmo. He shows them that he has this creature that nobody's ever seen before, and the cops not only do they still not believe his story, but they're not even interested in this this animal that is 
clearly a new species. Animal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that really just shows. Well, and actually, I was talking to I was talking to uh, my girlfriend about it. She watched it with me. She hadn't seen it in a while, and we were both like, you know, back before the internet. I distinctly remember being exposed to things that I had no precedence for in my own life. And I just didn't really have the ability to confirm or deny how widely like those things existed. Like I was like, okay, maybe this is some weird animal from Vietnam or something I've never heard about. That's true. That's true. To to this day, I'll be surprised by some things from the animal kingdom. And someone's like, oh yeah, this is taxonomically well-known. You never know about this? Like, no, I never knew about the hookworm or the human's face. That's definitely news to me. Thanks. When um when we moved to California as kids, we would find these massive bugs in our pool dead, and they were they were you know you know cootie bugs the game cooties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they looked yeah. like those things. They looked like atomic bugs. They were about <laughs> that big, and they looked uh-huh. like they walked on their hands and uh, on their feet. It, it turns out they don't, but they look that way because of how they die. And I, I, and we saw these all the time. Like every every week, there would be dozens of them in the pool. And when I came back to Massachusetts, I told my science teacher about them, and he called me a liar. He said those do not exist. And he called, <laughs> and, uh, and it turned out what they were is something called the it's Jerusalem Yankee field. common sense tells him that it's well, it was Jerusalem cricket. It was a Jerusalem cricket, is what it was. Um, and I guess they, yeah. Uh, so they're a real thing. Yeah, but but I guess that just kind of goes to your point of. Before the internet, if you know, you just kind of had to either take it on faith or say, "Well, I'm not. I don't believe what I see before my own eyes." So yeah, uh, but I still feel it's kind of odd that you're unfazed by this very. They were uh, really drunk, yeah. man. Like that's true. That's and true. they know his dad's an inventor, so they know yeah. this could just be some contraption. You know, like yeah, yeah. That's, maybe that's a good animal. point. That's a good so, point. Like, yeah, and no, he is I, called Gizmo. He is called Gizmo, so yeah. it does kind of even sound like. Oh, they're be. horrible! Yeah. Now, yeah, we have we have cave crickets around here. There'll be like thousands of them in there. I haven't heard they're of like, cave cricket. These are cave crickets are gross. These are huge. Oh they're not big, God. but they're numerous and disgusting looking. They have none yeah. of the charm of. Do you see, do you see what I'm talking cricket. about, Joel? No, I'm seeing it. Yeah, people do not look up the Jerusalem cricket. And, what's, and here's what's even more funny. When I went in California, our neighbor Don, this old man, he called them children of the earth bugs. And so when I came back, I was telling my science teacher about the children of the earth bugs that I had seen. And I was just describing, and I was probably exaggerating because I was a kid and I, you know, oh. I had no sense of proportion. But Jesus, God, they're so gross. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Anybody boy. listening, look up Jerusalem cricket. Is that what no, it is? Don't. Is it Jerusalem cricket? Yeah. No, yeah, look it uh, up for sure. Look it up because for the love of God, it. don't do it, people. We <laughs> <laughs> have cave crickets too. Those are uh, they're more oh, disturbing gonna... when there's about a hundred of them crawling towards you. But well, I'm gonna look up cave cricket swarm. Well, me <laughs> now the uh, yeah, the... <laughs> um, yeah, those are pretty nasty too. Honestly, oh, well, oh the swarm. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what their I'm legs are too I did the swarm search. Yeah, I hate I hate it. I hate you both. <laughs> I I, th- I still think that the Jerusalem cricket is fascinating. That that is like haunted me since I first saw them because they're so they're so strange. Oh, and wow. like I said, when they die, they look like Literally. they walk on their legs. So it's even, and they also turn like a different color. They turn like purple, and they just looked really wow. weird. They look like aliens. Um. I, I hate this story. Can we move on? 
<laughs> so let's talk about Gizmo. Let's talk about. Yeah, Gizmo. let's talk about the any... cute little fuzzy uh, animatronic. Fuck, so, man. Jesus. So you know, I guess what's interesting again is is the fact that he was supposed to be Stripe, and Spielberg was like, "No, he's the hero of the movie." And uh, you know, because he basically Spielberg was like, "No, Billy isn't the hero. The hero is Gizmo." Um, yeah, and I that's think he, an absolutely true statement too. And, uh, he emotionally follow Gizmo. Like Spielberg knew it. He knew what he was doing, though. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. But so. uh, yeah, I, I I I think that in terms of effects, I still find I still find that the I don't know what was the animatronic Gizmo or was he a puppet? Like what was he's a well a little bit of both depended on the scene. Okay. He's a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Okay, but he I I yeah, thought that exactly. the that the effects were good. I thought that the Howie Mandel voice was just perfect for for Gizmo. Um, you know, I think that's that's half of what makes it work is is Howie Mandel. Um, yeah, the voice is a huge component um, because, like, when you when you look at how much actual movement they get out of that that creature, it's not a lot. There's a lot yeah. of let me move you into this bag, Gizmo, and the the <laughs> gag about him being like sensitive to light, so you could never ever light the puppet. Yeah, too much. yeah, that was clever. That was a clever <laughs> bit of writing. Yeah, I didn't that, realize that a... until this time. I was like, that's oh, a, oh, you clever girl. It's it's a really good idea. It's a really good. Yeah, they can only see him in dim lights. So that then you just get rid of the problem. And and I think you kind of see I mean, they're obviously using different dolls in um, the sequel. But you do see how brighter lights could create an issue of making the fakeness of it more visible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did see an interview recently with the guy who created Gizmo pointing out that Baby Yoda is just Gizmo shaved. That's exactly all he is. <laughs> it's true. It's like you look at two photos, you're like, yep, that's, that's, that's exactly. They are the same. Big ears, big eyes. Like, it's not hard. No, it's, 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 it's adorable. Oh, I know. I'm saying it is, uh, it lines up particularly well. I still have the shape of the mouth. Way. I could, I could, yeah. I could see where they. Yeah, the, the Gizmo song is cute too. I, I, I do like his little song that he does, um, mm-hmm. and I just like how he behaves when he's chilling in bed and he's got the headphones on or he's watching TV. He just has this attitude about him that's you know charming and fun and. Um, yeah, he's he's like a super like if your if your stoner friend and your cat were like the same, <laughs> yeah. like that's Gizmo. Yeah, he's very chill. He's very chill. You just want to hang out with Gizmo, you know? but he. But he gets yeah. anxious. He gets when he gets anxious. It's very adorable. Do you know what I mean? He's just like he's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I like I like his. He has a bigger understanding of what's going on when things start to go wrong too. He's just like, oh, this is really bad. You don't understand. Yeah, because you hear but, uh, him say "mugwai" when they start going by the theater before anybody else. So I feel like yeah. he can sense their presence or something. He goes "mugwai, mugwai, mugwai," and so yeah. I think that's him. You know. Well, and also, like, as soon as the the other gremlins pop out of him and they're cute and furry, he has this attitude of like, oh, no, not this again. I wonder if he's like the only good Mogwai. Well, because, that's what like, I was going to say. The thing the thing I like about him is there's this feeling like he's this enlightened Mogwai. Like he's kind of like an enlightened demon that kind of, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's I kind of I got this conquering the demons kind of vibe from him where he's just become this. uh <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like that's something where you have to like with great care like help the Mogwai to cultivate this appropriate you yeah, know like, amount of of maturity chill. and yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I, 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 I would be, I, I'm sure that there's probably been like fan fiction and stuff that explores that, but I am curious, like if it is the sort of like thing that you sometimes see in like, like Sean Shah stuff where there's like a demon and they're trying to kind of contain and and reshape it do you know what i mean Remember, this does come from the era when movie novelizations existed so i want i do wonder if the novelization uh gives us more more mogwai history i but can't I also... be the one who wants less <laughs> I, like, i'm totally with like you actually the, the mystery is so much better because i don't yeah it is no it is and it also is. Part of me thinks they just took the name randomly because they needed like a Chinese word for monster or something. I am impressed it's an actual Chinese yeah. word, so that's cool. Yeah. Is it? What, wait, what's it? What is? What does it mean? I don't know. I, th I, th I think it, I, I don't know. Oh, how it, it is. Trans okay. Well, I think it, it can mean like monster or demon or it's like evil spirit or something. I don't know. Well, huh. it means it means like earth spirit. I think is specifically what it means. It's Maungwai. Um, but no, like whatever, whatever you, when they use a general term for monster, it's Mogwai. So yeah, it's just monster. Wow. But, but the, uh, but, but I, but I, but what I'm guessing is they might've just taken the name cause they just, they just looked it up in a dictionary or something and they needed it. Oh term. yeah. I oh yeah. Um, dictionaries. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just remember doing <laughs> that, you know, that's just kind of how we did things sometimes, you know, just like, yeah. let's look this up and find it. Uh, that's the way I do stuff. Yeah. If I, if I um, need a, a, a random name for something or, or like a random inspiration, I'll just go to a, the online yeah. equivalent of a dictionary or a thesaurus and be like, what do you got for me? But back then you would do that and like nobody would figure it out for years and years and years. And yeah, like, oh, that like was instant. the old. Yeah. I remember one of the best tricks I learned for, for you know, role-playing game settings is you just pick some random language guidebook. You just pick a yeah. bunch of words from the same language, make it yeah. the same country, and they'll just fit together in a yeah. way more yeah. than a bunch of stupid made-up words you had. Yeah, yeah we call so, that the Frank Herbert technique. What, my technique yeah. was, <laughs> it's a little besides point, my technique was to create prefixes and suffixes and have them uh -huh. all, like oh, part, so like, it, well, because well, you would say, okay, this these are the prefixes and the suffixes, and I'd sometimes have middle sounds too from this word this part of the world these are from this language these are from this language and then you can you can not only can you get that cohesiveness with individual countries but you can have language groups that span countries but have a cohesiveness so you'll get like communities yeah, like border languages yeah that go from what you know go through different uh border lines but are uh you know phonetically similar and then that also kind of gives you a guidepost for oh these are all from this similar language speaking group or whatever um but Except uh people tune into the the horror express right yeah here. yeah <laughs> right, get your role play tips gentlemen. yeah our yeah, this week apologize. linguist noam chomsky yeah i should mention this is a late night movie review technically you know we, we are doing this you know it's not super late night but it's still in the realm of post 10 o'clock adam and brendan get a little bit more drowsy joel's chipper because he just woke up because he's I, I just got my coffee i'm i'm, yeah. I'm good but, uh, I'm drinking scotch over here, so I've got a whole <laughs> I got we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the early, yeah. the early riser versus the sundowner. Exactly. <laughs> but also, I guess we should talk about the gremlins effects too, because those were a little different than the, the yeah, yeah. They were well, they, they were a little more fearless yeah. with them. I noted yeah. they were fine with being rough with those puppets, <laughs> put them center stage, lighten them. Um, they didn't know. I mean, like they're pretty clearly little rubber dolls, right? Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I sort of don't need them to be anything else to be thoroughly entertained and charmed by them in this movie. I mean, I'll tell I you think... what I. Oh, go ahead, Adam. 
Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, but you were going to throw. I, I okay. was just going to say, like, I forget that they're fake about two seconds into watching it. And yep. I, I don't have that. When, whenever I see stuff that's not, like, if it's um, green screen stuff or if it's CGI stuff that's not physically present, I, that doesn't happen with me. I, I, I feel that, you know, as long as, as long as the animatronics and stuff aren't, like, insanely bad, it generally works for me. Well, um, they're so they've got so much personality and life that you're like engaged yeah. with the gremlins. You're interested in what they're. Yeah. It's like it's the same. They're like Muppets. It's like you don't watch the Muppets and go, "Hey, Kermit's oh, not great. a real frog." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like gremlins are in that same plane as the Muppets, where yeah. you just they're they they're just they've got enough personality that it just carries any deficiency okay. of the effect. Yeah. And they're yeah, real yeah. in a way that like. Like CGI racer just isn't, you know. Like yeah. whenever, whether they're tormenting, uh, what's her name at the bar, they're there. They're slathered in yeah. the KY jelly, and they're all glistening and <laughs> gross, and they're physically moving and and doing stuff. And like, I mean, yeah, I, I understand on some level that those are puppets, but yeah. for the reality of the movie, like, it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't breach my sense of unreality in the same way. Yeah, no, she's interacting with them, and that makes it better. It, it's yeah. And again, I mean, you, even without CGI, you get that same problem with green screen where you superimpose something on it that isn't there, and it creates this disconnect. Um, yeah, you, you know, talk about the interaction too. It reminds me, we we used to review Farscape, and it's yeah. like one of the one of the things they would always tell the actors on Farscape because that show used Henson creatures in it is all the aliens they said always interrupt any any excuse you can have to touch one of these yeah. characters or whatever always do that because just makes them feel so much more real yeah and they, uh it, same with this movie yeah i think they did a good that that bar scene especially where she's serving them stuff and yeah she's just going crazy it, it just works and also you couldn't have the scene the scene with the santa that wouldn't have worked if it was just cgi gremlins you would know they're not on the guy because it's the it's the it's the person just pretending that something's on them versus ah, stuff actually ah. being on them. Yeah. 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 The actual weight of those puppets dangling off the man. There, yes. There's something even more frantic about his flailing. Yeah. Um, you know, we probably sound like old men, but I think yeah, it's back in my uh, yeah. day, we used real puppets and we set people on fire. <laughs> well, let's, and let's say there have been compromised movies too, because like the original Jurassic Park and the Lord of the Rings movies yeah. are movies that use CGI and practical effects together. And it's like, when you combine the two with, you know, in the right proportion right. for the right reasons, it's fantastic. But we've just kind of totally let the practical effects yeah. things go for the most part. Well, That's the problem. It, Interstellar's one that we we covered. Too, yeah. Does, it does blend that. It has a lot of CGI, but it also blends in some practical effects and it just, it, it had a weight to it. I think yeah. with CGI too, it's about if there's care and time put into it, it does work. It's just that too often it feels like it's fielded out to somebody who's not even involved in the rest of the movie. Yeah. And they, they well, don't. it's, yeah, it's pretty clear that CGI has just gotten lazier in recent yeah. years. Well, a lot cheaper. I don't want to blame the animators who are trying to get this stuff done, but it's like, it feels like there's less money going into it because, I mean, yeah, as, as pointed out, it's like Avatar, the original Avatar, the CGI and that still looks better than a lot of like Marvel movies. Like an Iron Man, the original Iron Man movie looks yeah. way better than the than the CGI and a lot of the new Marvel well, stuff. And it's I'm just... forgiving I'm forgiving if it's like a low budget movie, like if it's Sharknado or something. Of course, of course, Shark the CGI. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't seen Sharknado, so I don't know. But of course, I'm expecting that the CGI is not going to be top notch. But what ticks me off is you go and you see a big budget movie, and the CGI looks like it was farmed out. 
just as yeah. badly. Um, well, and yeah, and, and the colors just, look terrible, and you know that's yeah. That's what bothers me. I mean, I liked I liked like uh, Avengers Endgame, but it's like the, okay, you're gonna have your big final battle on Earth in this weird purple muddy field that is unrecognizable as earth in any way and it's just like what where is this where are we yeah. what, is, what what is this strange plane we're fighting on I mean, it was a fun scene but it's just it's just keeping out on the cgi with this weird background but i don't know I, i'm going off on a I stupid think, tangent now i think the weakest gremlins uh effect even though i still think it worked and they they had to do it was the the claymation uh one which kind of reminded me of the claymation or stop motion might have been might have actually been animation i can't remember but in the, the howling they did something similar with the werewolves do you remember yeah that? yeah um, yeah, I and, that. yeah so i feel like and again it might have been a different slightly different medium but they were both stop motion i think of some kind and uh uh you know that you know that that they had to do it because they needed to show this massive gremlins walking into town because you needed a sense of the scale of the problem but obviously that that you know that that well, technology could be a little bit iffy. It, um, it can. It, thankfully, it's jerky and uncanny in a, in a Harryhausen way that I think yeah. kind of adds mm-hmm. to it. The other bit, bit of animation that I really actually loved in the movie was whenever they're behind the uh, the theater screen, and you see oh, the, yeah. the actually animated gremlin shadows coming at them. Because <laughs> they kept the jerkiness I... of the, the claymation, and it's, it's wonderful. It actually looks really convincing and creepy. Yeah, also, that's one of my favorite shots in the movie, definitely. It also looks a lot like the Howling cover, too, with the claws Ooh, going yeah. yeah, Yeah, you're right. I yeah. didn't think about that. A little tribute there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little things that feel kind of like that. I mean, you know, this is, you know, you've just done the Howling, like, what, two years before or something? So Yeah, around that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I... I I, I really liked the the the, the I the, the thing I wanted more than anything else when I was a kid was a gremlin doll like like one of those oh, gremlin yeah. like a light like I wanted doll. either a gizmo or a stripe or both you know I just wanted one of those gremlins the gremlins looked really cool to me they looked like they were uh, I don't know, I just had never seen a toy that detailed before when <laughs> I saw the gremlins um, I'd already graduated from toys to RPGs at that point so. Well, I was, as we've established, seven, eight, or nine. So I was. I thought, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't. It wasn't a. I was. It was it's just I'm older than you, not a. I am more sophisticated. I, I did. I did day. have the uh, Fortress of Fangs, though the D and D Fortress of Fangs, and uh, some of the D and D figures. I didn't really know what D and D was at that point, but I had yeah. that because I watched the uh, the cartoon. The cartoon? As a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I just realizing how much the Mogwai could be a monster manual entry for like first edition D and D, like it just fit right. Oh, in totally. Else. Oh, well, the, the, mean, the the snotlings in Warhammer are gremlins. There's like a monster <laughs> in there that is just they're just gremlins. That's all they are. Every so. game has gremlins of some variety. Ravenloft had the Gramishka uh, in their black box set, and they the, the image is a gremlin. Like, if you guys both have the black box, all right? Go oh, yeah, look, at, I, look at the Gromishka. Look, look at the Gromishka. It is a gremlin. Gromishka. Um, in, in, what, in what set is that you said? It's, it's in what? It's in the Realm of Terror box set. Oh. And it's God, at the back, back of the book in the monster section. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think it's after the... I don't know if... It, I, I can't remember if they put them in alphabetical order or not, but it's oh, the area where they have the, right they have the Nosferatu and the Lukaru in there. And 
I, I mean, they're based. They, they, I, they look exactly like Gremlins. When I ran them, I used them effectively as Gremlins. Um, and a lot of games have cute, <laughs> cute monsters that become dangerous, right? Both pull out our copies of the same thing. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah everybody! Everybody listening, look up Gramishka if you're listening. Look him up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Um, so don't, let's take a moment, listeners, while we all read the Gramishka yeah. entry in silence. I, I need to I actually need to get back to reading this because it's a beautiful product. I'm not super huge on how they did the formatting uh, for the the foldouts, but like honestly, overall, well, those 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 foldouts came out totally different than the actual box set. Yeah, no, I, I assumed that they did. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Like and throw the. I'm actually running out. a. Uh, I'm running. I'm running the book of Crips right now. I'm running a. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, Ramishka, look at that bad boy. What page is this? Uh, there's no page numbers. <laughs> it's in the back <laughs> of the book. They didn't keep the page numbers. Why would they? I don't. That? I don't even know if there were page numbers in that section of the book. Actually. Oh, there there aren't. Okay. All right. So um, yeah, it's it's past the area with page numbers. So. Yeah. Go to 137, and it's just a turn the page, so it's technically 139. Wouldn't wouldn't it be interesting to release a book with no page numbers and see if that freaks people out? Oh yeah, and I don't think I've ever had a book with no page. Like if you released a novel even and had no page numbers, and you you know it'd just be disturbing. Wait, do novels have page numbers? I didn't even. Yeah, novels all. Of course yeah. they do. I've yeah. literally never even thought to look. Because you need to be able to keep a track of where you are and know if you. I have a bookmark. Like that's for babies. I, I remember P. I memorized page numbers. I refused to use a bookmark at weekends. I would mind. just fold. I would fold the page. I did the dog ear thing. I folded it. Adam, you're the best. <laughs> there's, there's just no way about it. Like you're just the best. Thank oh, you. Goodness. Weekends. Uh, all right. Bumps, so, so. I know anything, and, and now, now that the conversation's devolved to uh, uh, whatever it is we're talking about. Uh, talking any about. any further points that we want to address oh, about man, the movie? I could like go on about gremlins probably for a lot longer I do we have any concluding thoughts I suppose about the movie because I feel like we've we've gotten our our energy of, about it out like we talked about the different characters and all that and I noted that we avoided talking about the human central character almost entirely yeah Much like Billy. the movie we just kind of flow well, around the nothingness of that well, wood plant I actually like out. Billy I think Billy's an interesting guy it's just that there's not a lot to say about him. He's he's wholesome. He's you get nice. Everything from him he's, in the first five minutes. Yeah. He, yeah. He's not he's not I meant think, to be more than that because you're supposed to feel like you're him in the movie. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. he's certain. I think he's he's right exactly right for this movie. But yeah, there's just not a lot to say. He yeah. just is. You know, he's Billy. <laughs> he seems like yeah. a, he's slightly nerdy. He's a little bit nerdy or geeky. Is the only real you know. I would call uh, him a very useful anchor for this film. You know, the film happens yeah. around him, and he kind of gives yeah. you the audience POV. You know, he's yeah. passive, but not in a way that's like frustrating. He gets into trouble, but you don't really care about him as much as you care about like the general stakes. Yeah, um, he doesn't. He really doesn't do almost anything noteworthy. Well, well, he do, he does do a few things. He chops off the gremlin's head that's attacking his mom, even though his mom has done considerably more than him up to that. Oh point. yeah, man, she um, wades yeah. through those gremlins. Yeah. But then he uh, he also is the one who burns the theater down. So he does. He comes up yeah, with that idea. He does down. that. You he's, know, he, he's a good sidekick to Gizmo. He, I mean, it, you know, and originally, apparently, it was supposed to be him and Gizmo both working together to bring the drapes down. 
but they but Spielberg really wanted to emphasize Billy is the I mean, not Billy Gizmo is the hero of the movie, so that's why that uh, is just, well, just they just, they get their scene because well, Stripe is a really good uh, like protagonist. Deuteragonist almost like he's an evil Deuteragonist. I don't even want to call him a villain exactly because he's like a, the the evil counterpart to Gizmo. And like Gizmo's that scene where he's in the in the Barbie car, like zooming up to him at the very end. <laughs> oh God, what a wonderful heroic scene. Um, but I mean, like that. that that's see, like actually, I do want to talk about that scene. I want to talk about because yeah. that scene was the scene that bothered me when I was a kid. And really? what bothered me, the saw Ooh. blades. The saw I was going to say, oh, yeah. that was the yeah. only thing in this movie that at any point, I was yeah. like, oh, saw blades. Yeah. Ah. That kind of, that was the first time I saw it, those got well, me. It's interesting to me, or a couple of reasons. Number one, I remember there being saw blade in E.T., I think, that was, that pricked Elliot's yeah. finger, right? Yeah. And so it's almost like thematic at this point. We Like, it, feel, like, it felt like there was carryover from the et into this somehow in a wood shop aversion well or? i don't know but i think that i think the thing is you got a sense if you watch et like if you watch et as a kid you realize saw blades are dangerous they can hurt you but but it was all part of this i don't know this nice relationship with the alien who healed the boy but then in the neck in this movie the saw blades are this they're flying at the character and this and this and this demon is throwing them at him and it's and and it just looks super deadly like this guy is gonna die and he's just Stripe's got an arm on him too yeah. like yeah. he embeds one of them like three inches into the wall and he had just shot yeah. him with a crossbow too so he's already been hit with something pretty deadly um well you, you remind me of something clive barker says now actually as you're saying you feel like you were wary of the saw blades because of elliot cutting his finger on a saw blade in et yeah. and it's like you know it's like clive barker talks about the first time he saw the thing in the theater and how one of the scenes that really got people on edge was the blood test it's like there's all this horrific yeah. horror but people getting a blood test everyone's like oh because they can relate to it yeah and so it's like it's the same thing it's like you can relate to elliot pricking his finger on that saw blade so yeah. it it became more resonant to you because yeah. it is such yeah. a relatable thing and i, and I don't like being think thrown it, in a microwave or something and i don't think the saw blades are an accident because they're very specific and et was so massive huh. do you know what i mean he must have you know, granted he's not directing this one but i mean his fingerprints are all over it so i just feel oh, like yeah you yeah, know, this yeah. is a very Spielberg-y movie. Yeah, but, but yeah, I just remember seeing those saw blades and like my eyes burst open. And I was like, "Oh no, Billy's gonna die!" Like you know, because you're a kid, you just you just <laughs> go where the movie wants you to go, and you're like, "Billy's gonna yeah. die!" Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> well, so, there's a lot of tension in that scene. It's actually really well constructed. Well, yeah. that's when the stakes go way up in that scene. It's like there's a gun. There's saw blades and there's a crossbow. These crossbow. Are and he gets deadly, hit with the crossbow things. too. Yeah, because yeah, up until that point, most of the deaths are like they're playing with wires and causing something to go go wrong. They're scratching people. Do you know what I mean? Like they're trying to well, choke no, people. And also very cartoonish and slightly off screen for yeah. the most part too, as opposed yeah. to someone having a crossbow bolt sticking yeah. out of something. Yeah, this one, yeah, Billy's yeah, on that, the ground. He's like, he can't ball. move. It's 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 really a harrowing moment in the film, and yeah, uh, and and it's and it's interesting that they kind of squeeze all of that tension and all of that fear and horror out of this one little puppet, this green little puppet that's throwing saw blades at him. That's pretty astounding when you really. Yeah, think I gotta about tell you, they found a way to make menace bake off that little yeah. puppet. 
Yeah. You know, something about the way they positioned it in the scene and like whenever they cut to it, it's like gleeful little sadist face. Like it just it's calculating and it's mean spirited and it's effective. Like it's a good little bad guy, honestly. Well, he's he's always like one step ahead of all the other gremlins. He's always, you know what I mean? And he's kind of like at this point in the movie, you feel like he's lived in like he's already seen two of his gremlin troops totally eradicated in different he's going ways to the third so, one yep. yeah so it's it's just it, it, it just perpetually keep going he just he knows he needs to go and touch water again like that's his, he's, he's just going to keep doing this my other thought was why are they not bathing that whole town in sunlight everywhere like ripping the roofs off of the buildings making sure they got every last gremlin yeah, because like we seem real convinced that we know all the gremlins are dead in the theater, yeah. but it takes literally a drop of water to make a whole other army. Yeah, like, and, there and needs if, to be... <laughs> if Stripe was able to get out of the theater and escape, surely there's a possibility another gremlin could well, have gotten is, out or not got to the, the theater. street when it blew up. Yeah, like, he was he getting candy at the store across there. the street. What was that? He he was across the street getting candy. No, I know, but what I mean is, if if he if 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 we know Stripe got out, so I see you mean escape in the sense of yeah. if he can avoid having been caught in there. Yeah, well, like I, for I example, maybe there was a lazy gremlin that didn't go into the movie theater and it was just eating fudge at a chocolate store or something, right? Like that would have been a know, great post credit scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see this yeah. like, conked yeah. out gremlin. Um, but but that would be my thought is you know, let's let's go through the town and let's let's get like I don't know like an ultraviolet, you know. Uh, light and 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 just make sure we get rid of all of them. Um, how, how lame would like I, another potential even better sequel to Gremlins would have been if um, they'd waited until the late nineties, right? They get the same actor for Billy, and they make him the lamest version of Blade ever. He just he hunts <laughs> the night Gremlins, and he's got like the trench coat and everything, but he's just this like sad <laughs> failure of a person with a paunch, and he's like balding and. <laughs> or, or they could have made him like a, sa- a, a a lame version of Mad Max in a Gremlin Apocalypse. Ooh, another oh, good one. Uh, yeah. There's so much potential for sequels yeah. here. Yeah, so the Gremlin Apocalypse would be a pretty that would be a pretty intense movie, actually. I think he's riding around this VW. Honestly, if you one for one replaced everyone aside from uh, Mad Max himself in Fury Road with Gremlins and did the exact same movie as Fury Road way better movie and it's already a great movie i still haven't seen fury road um what yeah i haven't seen it i haven't seen i mean i I like what it looked what's wrong with you it looked too busy for me when i saw it It you need to watch fury road like no podcast over just flipping the table i'll watch fear i'll watch fury i've been meaning to but next you know know, i'm about to release lone wolf fist next podcast we're doing fury you know i was going to and then i saw this article (laughs) that said fury road makes road warrior obsolete and that it kind does. of your, no it well, does do you think it does I, I absolutely not even a hint it, i can't it, I, I, didn't like it. I could i my main problem with it was just the the extreme color control on it and the fact it wasn't set in australia that was the problem i huh? i cannot fathom that's true the road warrior but, uh, being obsolete just, to me that just, just seems, not it, not being in Australia though, this ruined it for me. But also Sorry. based on based on what little clips I've seen of Fury Road, Fury Road looks a lot more chaotic to me and a lot more busy. And so I just uh, dude, I have a I, feeling I, know, I won't I, I had the same apprehensions <laughs> that your foolish, unenlightened self had when I All went right. to see it in the theater. And then I saw oh. it and I was like, Well, 
I've seen the best movie ever made. Uh, that's well, it. Here's what I, I promise you. I will, I, I will watch Fury Road at some point soon. And I will, and I will hate it. Well, no, hate it with all my heart. No, no, because I, I wanted to hate The Witch and I didn't. And so I, I think I can be pretty reasonable about this. I liked I will, it. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like I, it as much as Road Warrior, but it's good. So I actually really like Road Warrior. I, I wouldn't say I'm it also, obsoletes it, but like, I definitely think that it, it hits the same notes in an enormously more impressive way. What I'll probably do is watch them back to back so I can get a comparison. But Oh, you know what? That I, sounds I, like fun. We should do yeah. that. And I think okay. the thing is, too, um, it's it's far part of why I didn't watch it when it first came out was like people were going crazy for it. And I was like, I need space you'll watch it and you'll away see from why. the reaction so that I can watch it and have a, like my own feeling. Well, about no, it. good. I mean, like, but you need to watch it like for real. You need to watch. That I will. But I can't I can't promise I will agree with you because my I don't want you to very, agree with me. I okay. want you to watch the movie and form your own opinion. Like, I will. You know, me, I, I, my our friendship does not require we agree. <laughs> Not at all. No, I, that's a, <laughs> all the better right than you totally disagree. I, I want another uh, fight. Yeah, the fights, are, so the fights are great, though. No, I, many, many nights I've been like, I'm going to watch Fury Road and do like a late night podcast on it. I just was too sleepy or whatever that night. Poor man, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been meaning to. It's something where I'm like, I really need this. It's getting like, what, six or seven years now that it's been out? So Yeah, it, at this <clears> point, <throat> you're far enough away from the hype that like it's not going to touch your perception of the movie. You're going well, to no, watch it and I can, enjoy it. I can tell you what bothered me. I just, it was just an endless stream on Facebook of everybody telling me I had to see it. It's the greatest thing since anything. <laughs> You've and got I was a just like shiny and chrome on the highways of Valhalla. Yeah, man. and I was just like, uh, no, I'm not I'm not doing this. And so, you know, now now that the emotions have died down, I think I can My emotions are as high as ever. Go well, on. I, did, I did the same thing. That's what happened with me and the witch. I, I had that reaction when the witch came out and everybody was telling me to see it, and then I, I saw it and I loved thing it. That's I... clearly great. I'm going to wait a decade. No, it's just, I don't know why it bugs me when like everybody tells me to go see something. And then a you lot might, of times. You might be, well, I mean, for my part, I, you know, I liked it, but I think, I think maybe the hype was so high that I was expecting more. It's like, I was like, yeah. oh, that was a good movie, but it, it didn't change my life. And I, so I was like, oh, okay. But I think, I think watching it again, I'll probably enjoy it more just because I won't, you, I won't be going really with the weight of that black and white version. It's really. Yeah. Yeah, I really should. I, I I do need to check that one out because that was really it. it like, because Fury Road came out right at that point where everyone was using that orange and blue palette on yeah. everything, and I was just like, oh, why did they do a whole movie in this palette? That's like it's. Uh, but that's when just you, when they when they desaturated the music. Completely realize how much the soundtrack slaps whenever you don't have to worry about the the washed out. I I, I like the contrast because it seems toxic and weird to me. Uh, uh -huh. But man, that black and white one, ooh, it brings all the sounds right to the fore. And man, the sound design in this movie is incredible. The soundtrack utterly just rips. Ah, oh, it's so good. Damn. All right. Now so it's, really we're doing it. it. I'm going to watch the hell out of this movie. All right. Well, after we Halloween, because we got. Yeah, Halloween. I think I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, more important things to do now. Uh, speaking of Halloween, our next horror movie, have we done The Shining yet? I don't. We haven't done the Shining. Um, we might want to do that one. Just keep in mind, we, we are still talking. We are still technically talking about Gremlins, still. I, I know, but like, I uh, want to build excitement. Are we? Well, we're still in. The, again, we've meandered, but I just want to. I just just so we don't just devolve into random conversation. But yeah, I, I'd be happy to do the Shining or. Um, uh, 
I think I think that that's a good one to do because it's such a you know classic horror movie and it's it's like massively influential as well. Well, it, those uh, those two things as well. But as a personal consideration, my girlfriend's never seen it, and she's actually oh, about to okay. go to that hotel for a horror convention. So we gotta see it. She should definitely okay. see that before she goes to the hotel. That's her feeling on the matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree on that. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that one. Is that? Do you know if that one's available on Netflix right now? Or is oh, it I have one no that idea where that's available. It was. I know it was like like three months ago. I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna sit down and watch The Shining again. And then it, 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 I, I had seen it on Netflix, and then it wasn't there anymore. But it seems like sometimes it's gonna be wherever Doctor Sleep is. Which also Doctor Sleep, um, I was impressed. It's uh, it's on HBO Max, and oh, you can rent it at the usual sources. I'll have to I'll have to rent it. I think I'll rent it. Yeah, yeah I, so, I'm fine with parting for like three ninety nine. Yeah, we'll, to watch The Shining. And we'll, when we end this, we'll talk more about what other Halloween movies we think be able to rock on. In. All right, okay, yeah, so we'll get back, back to the topic. Back to the, gremlins, back to the gremlins. Concluding thoughts. Concluding thoughts. Um, I don't know. For me, I, I think it's. It, I don't know what to say except if you haven't seen Gremlins, you should definitely see it. I think it's a. Um, I think it really holds up. I think it, it it's one of these interesting movies that holds up, but is also clearly a product of its time. Um, I don't know. It's also this kind of film where <clears throat> I don't know how different it's going to look to people that didn't grow up the same period that I did, because mm-hmm. a lot of the music and stuff I know is going to sound different to me than it would sound to somebody born in like 1990 or 2000 or whatever, who just grew up with different music tropes in films because a lot of the music in this does harken back to earlier styles of music and movies. And there's a lot of that, like Adam was saying with the, 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 the movie archetypes and things like that. So I don't know how it would land with, uh, you know, a younger crowd. Uh, but for me, I, I, I found that it, it, it held up tremendously. I thought that the, the humor really still works that it's, um, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a really nice blend of wholesomeness, horror, and comedy that that su- works in a surprising way, and and you know people should see it, and you know and everything else that we said about this movie, uh, just it, 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 and I, I it's it's a cl- it's a classic, and it's one of the it's one of the top movies that I would rate. Yeah, I agree. Um... I was like, I was listening to you talk, and I'm like, okay. So here's my thing. As a dad, am, it, it's, it's a question of when am I going to expose my kids to this? <laughs> you know, because like, okay, it's I, I'm kind of feeling that PG-13 with this movie. Like, as much as damage that did to the horror genre in general, I kind of get it. You know, it's, with this movie especially, it's so hard to peg down. It's like, well. Is this a movie where you could take your kids and just be like, here you go, kids. I'm your parent and I'm guiding you through it. Think, or do they need to meet a certain threshold? It, it depends on the kid. I think it depends on the kid. If your kid, if, I mean, you know your kid better than other people. I, I was able I to handle know. it just fine. I, I had, was. Uh, I'm a know, different kind of kid. Well, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in on the rating thing here and say, you know, and, and taking it from your perspective of worrying about what kids see. I mean, what was happening here was that Spielberg had enough clout by that time that he was getting movies that should have been rated R to be PG. And 
then when he when when people got angry about it, like, oh, we'll make a PG thirteen. It's like I think a better solution was just to keep these movies as R movies. Once you had that PG thirteen threshold, where it's like, well, we can get more audience in seats if we make it PG thirteen. It was like it. I think I think it would have been honestly better just to make Gremlins R because for one thing, it's not like our movies weren't hard to see as a twelve-year-old yeah. in the eighties anyway. Well, it's like well, I saw Aliens in the theater, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I saw all those movies in the theater, well, and it was it, 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 it didn't even matter. It depended on where you were because it could be tricky to get in. Like if you had an adult willing to take you in, you could see them. No, yeah. I never did. I never had an adult willing to take okay. me, and I just bought tickets as a small for my age, twelve year old. Okay. We, we had considerable more problems, I think, getting into the R films. I saw R I films. I lived in Ohio, so when I was in high school and middle school, so it's pretty lawless there. I mean, I, so. I know I somehow got into Pray for Death in 1985 when that was in the movie. So you know, guy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I it, think I, I don't know because like. At this point in history, like no one's going to a theater and watching Gremlins. Like I'd be streaming yeah. it, and it would yeah. just be for it's almost well, it doesn't matter guidance for me. Yeah. So and and to to further bolster my point, um, the actual consensus on most of the modern like you know you're a parent how do they how do parents actually judge this movie? The consensus with kids and with parents uh, that I was able to find was for the most part parents seem feel like kids can watch this movie at about ten. But okay. kids rated it about thirteen, uh-huh. so maybe a yeah. generation like they they like, really feel like this is a little creepier than they can watch. Yeah, the, like I said, I, I think I think R would be better because I mean you always even R movies you can take your kid as an adult to see an R movie that's like still allowed. But I don't know. I just think PG thirteen was a mistake. I, we could do yeah. a whole episode on PG thirteen if you wanted some. Well, but this this is no, good... I don't. I I, yeah, I no, really this, don't this want to spend a whole episode talking <laughs> about it. This is this, I've I've already run out of things to say on the topic. Yeah, it was a mistake. Well, I I mean, like the when you democratize the decision making of who should watch this movie to the audience that is most vulnerable that it's aimed at, they agree with the PG thirteen rating. So there's something. No, no, you're you're missing my point. My point, my point is that it should have been R. It should have been parents do get to decide when the kid watches yeah, it. Well, I, and well, it, and, and the 17 is the threshold because you could at 17 you can still have your kids watch it at any age with parental permission. All PG 13 did was give studios put studios in a place where it was more profitable for them to never make movies for adults. Is what it no, did. no, it, you're. PG-13 was a mistake, but like what I'm saying is emergently speaking, 13 is does seem to be the correct age to watch this movie. Yeah, I think. No, I agree. I agree with that. But that's a different thing than having an actual official PG-13 rating. This specific movie, yes, is a good movie to watch at 13. I mean, I'm not I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent, but I still say some kids could probably handle it at eight or nine. I most Um, I think all of us did. I mean, right? Like, I handled this at six. I didn't even, it didn't even strike me as scary at six. I just yeah, thought that so, the puppet melting at the end was cool. So I would say like, you know, was <laughs> the puppet melting was great. That was. Oh, I did. I don't think we talked about that yet. You know what? We should also, before we go, we should mention this thing took forever to come out on VHS. I don't know if you really? recall that, Adam. I, I, it, I don't. Oh my God. I remember waiting and waiting and waiting for it to come out on VHS. And it was like, 
I don't remember how long it actually was, but it kept getting delayed and they kept saying, oh, it's going to come out like in a month and two months. And it just never seemed to come out. And it, it was so, people were waiting for it so much when it actually did come out. They had an ad that was like, we're finally here. It was, it was like they were aware of how much demand there was for this movie. I clearly I clearly remember it coming out because a friend of mine got it. We like played a game of TSR's Alpha Dawn, the not Alpha Dawn, uh, Dawn Patrol, the World War One fighter game. And uh, then watched the movie. But uh, I don't know. I don't remember it being an especially long time. It was it was a while. I mean, maybe at age nine or however old I was when it came out, it just that period of time was longer because of the anticipation for me and the fact that my yeah. life was only you know it was it was it was a you know waiting two months when you're nine years old. That's a, that's like a fraction of your life. You that's, I, mean? that's I was about it. to say I was I was twelve and you were eight, so my perception of time was 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 you know different than yours by that point. But uh, I remember. Uh, my perception of time in general at eight was vastly distorted. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that, like, because I, I, I don't remember it, things when I remember them. Like, in my memory, they feel like a week was, like, the equivalent of a month almost. Yeah. Yeah. Things were way different in my mind. Um, and I've never really experienced that kind of time dilation again. I think somewhere, guess... somewhere around 10, 9 or 10, things stopped feeling like that. And they just never went back. For me, yeah, I can. It's just been getting faster and faster and faster as time's gone on. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, it's because your brain's slowing down. That's why. Is it? <laughs> it's just, it's a, no, it's just relative. It's just the, the slower your brain goes, the faster everything else seems to be going. I thought uh, I thought that it was because I'm I've had so many years now that like a year to me is not. Oh, it's both. Has, yeah, yeah, you're mentally comparing the amount of life you've had to the well, amount of time you've like, experienced. When you've seen 30 years go by, a year feels a lot smaller than when you've only seen 10 years go oh, by. Oh, yeah. A year yeah. used to feel like all eternity when I was waiting for yeah. second grade turn to third grade. Nowadays, yeah. I'll wake up and I'm 38. Yeah. It's like, whoa, where'd the last five yeah. years go? Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Be like, like, to me, I'm still surprised when I realize, wait, the Doctor Who anniversary in 2012 was 10 years ago. Like, that to me seems like it just happened. You know what I mean? Like, and yep. 10 years ago doesn't seem that long anymore. So. Yeah, when I reach yeah. back my memory 10 years ago, I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing that recently happened. And then they're like, yeah. no, no, that's not recent. <laughs> that was in my childhood. And you're like, yeah. You just visibly wither like those guys in the end of the Temple of Doom, or no, uh, Last Crusade. But, uh, but yeah. So, anyways, I think um, I think it's probably a good place to end it, and we'll, uh, I guess, we'll hopefully be back on with um, what movie were we gonna do again? The Shining, was, baby. The Shining, the Shining. So we'll be back on hopefully with The Shining, and until next time, we will talk to you later. Yeah.